faithfulness. We thank you that you're great and you're greatly to be praised. And we worship you and we thank you tonight for your breath that is in our lungs. That we can give you praise and give you glory. Hallelujah. Oh, what an honor it is to serenade heaven and to give you praise and glory and honor. We thank you and praise you for it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Come on, let's give him a little praise right here tonight. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Everything okay back here? I'm glad you're here for night shift tonight and working the night shift. Appreciate you being your faithfulness on Wednesday nights. Um, you know, I'm um, not preaching to you tonight. I'm just saying and not casting any stones at nobody else. But I was raised up that whenever you had church doors were open, you went to church. And... Um, you know, in these snowflakes today, they can't be out past 7 o'clock for church because they can't get up for school. But we stayed in revival till 11, 12 o'clock. And then got up, went to school, and got up and did it again the next day. Amen. And uh, then we got folks that can't get up and go to work if they come to church on midweek. But uh, I'll just tell you, I, I study as much for Wednesday night as I do Sunday morning. And so I can't help who comes. I'm just going to feed whoever's here. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And so I, it's not a, a slap on nobody. I'm just telling you that um, faith, thank you for your faithfulness in being here on Wednesday night. I shared a word with you on last Wednesday night and I reshared it again on Sunday morning. And uh, as you could see and tell those who are here for both services, it isn't uh, exactly the same because it never is as you preach the word of God it'll just illuminate and come in different ways and forms but you just flow with the spirit amen, amen. but ever since Sunday there's been something on me there's been a spirit on me to heal the sick just a uh, spirit of healing and so I'm going to talk to you about that tonight and uh, I'll contemplated a couple of times of getting on social media and telling people if they were sick to come here tonight. But, uh, I, you know, I don't know that it's so important that we um, advertise. We ought to expect it. Amen. We ought to expect it. And so I want to talk to you tonight about the healing ministry of Jesus. The healing ministry of Jesus. I believe that if we can get this in our spirit tonight, we never have to be sick again a day in our life. I know that's tough to swallow, ain't it? You know why? Because we believe we've bought into the idea that being sick is part of life. Amen? But I want to share some truths with you that I've that I've known for years and some that I've found out this week.
but I just want to share it with you tonight. Is that okay? All right. So let's go to Matthew chapter 8 and starting in verse 14. It's a very familiar scripture. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 14. All right, I'm waiting on you. I need you. All right. Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his uh, wife's mother laying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and served them. Amen. Go back to that for me, please. So he touched her, right? Let me know whenever you have a fever, when somebody has a fever, you don't touch them. Amen. You don't touch them unless you have authority over it. Now notice with me something. It says something left her and the fever left her. Something left her body when Jesus touched her, right? And she arose and served them. And so uh, I won't need the rest of that until a little later, but you can just, uh, if you guys can keep the rest of those scriptures for me down through about verse 18. Everything written there in this scripture, I believe, is teaching us something about the healing ministry of Jesus. It's not being taught from a medical perspective, right? It's not being taught from a medical perspective. Now, some people have intertwined um, the medical and the, the spiritual, and you can do whatever you want to with that. We thank God we're not against medicine. We're not against doctors. But Jesus didn't use medicine to heal people. Amen. There, there was an anointing upon him that healed the sick. And so when Jesus healed them, it, it, is, it is here that we look and we see that there is a difference between the medical perspective and the healing ministry of Jesus. Note when Jesus touched her, the Bible said the fever or something had left her. Something left her body. Something went away from her, right? And so when you study sickness from the perspective of Jesus healing, anointing, we will see what sickness really is. What is sickness? What is, what is it that is, makes us sick? There are, in, in studying this tonight, I want to look at, there's two types of knowledge, First of all, there's the sense knowledge, the five senses, that you can see it, you can feel it, you can hear it, you can taste it, you can smell it, right? And everything that came naturally or the senses, everything that doctors and scientists know came through the natural senses. It came through them looking through a microscope and they seen uh, infection, they seen in, uh, infirmity, they seen whatever it was, or they, they felt something, or they seen something, or they heard something, 
through the, their, their instruments. And so they knew that something was abnormal. And so they was, they, that is how they come to the conclusion that something was wrong. All the information and research that doctors has has come through these five senses. All their knowledge came through the sense knowledge, right? And there's a problem with that. The problem is this, that the, with the sense knowledge, you cannot find God. You cannot look at an x-ray and see God. You cannot look through a microscope and see God. You cannot feel him in, in, these, in these senses as we are talking about. And so we all know the sense knowledge is important, right? All right, y'all are slow, but you're worth waiting on. The, sen the natural senses we have to have. If we're going to leave here and go home tonight, we have to have natural senses. We have the natural sense tells us that we drive on the right side of the road. The natural sense tells us we must turn on the lights, right? The natural world is very important. And the natural world, uh, but there's a spiritual world that the natural world it becomes irrelevant. In the spirit world, I need to have the second kind of knowledge. And the second kind of knowledge is this. It's revelation knowledge. Amen. Revelation knowledge. It comes to us through the Bible. The Bible is a book of revelation. It is a revelation. It reveals to us who Jesus is. Amen. And it came from God through the Holy Spirit who moved upon men of God who wrote it down as they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. And so there are some things written there in this scripture, in this book, that there is no way that you can figure out except that you have revelation knowledge. Can you agree with me? It doesn't come through head knowledge. It doesn't come through us studying and, and, and doing things. It comes through revelation. <laughs> And so if we could go back there tonight to verse six, uh, 15, 16, and 17. Can we pull those up for me, please? So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. And when the evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. Right? And he cast out the spirits with a word. And healed all who were sick. How many did he heal? How many did he heal? All. Now, go back to the first part of that, please. Yes. And when the evening had come, they had brought to him many who were demon-possessed. Now, this word demon-possessed here in the Greek means demonized. It means they are under the demonic influence. All right? 
And so it isn't talking here in this particular scripture. It is not talking about them being uh, possessed as we think of it as a demonic spirit being in them that is controlling or tormenting them as, as the man that run through the tombs at night. But it is one that is demonized or is under authority or influence, demonic authority or influence. And so it is possible that we can see that, they, that you can be influenced by demonic spirits and not be controlled by them, right? All right. And so uh, let's go on to verse 17 here. And he said it was that, uh, that he did this, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by Isaiah the prophet saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Amen. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So I want to look at three things here tonight and see three things in these scriptures. The first thing I want us to see is I want us to see Jesus. Amen. The Jesus, because the healing ministry is not my ministry. The healing ministry is not your ministry. The healing ministry is Jesus' ministry. He does the healing. Amen. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, if we could go there, it says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing a few sicknesses. Huh? Every sickness and every disease among the people. How many was there? Everyone. Now throughout all of the scriptures, you will find that whenever Jesus healed, he healed everyone that came to Jesus, he healed them. There was never a time whenever someone came and said, Jesus, would you heal me, that he said, not today. He never told them, well, you need to go and fast and pray for 20 days. He never told them, well, I would have, but I, I just don't feel it today. But everyone that came to him, the Bible says he healed them all. Amen. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Amen. And so he healed them all. Peter sums it up here and he says after three and a half years of walking with Jesus and seeing his, heal, his ministry, he said, I can testify to you that Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed. Amen. Now, he talks about this spirit of oppression or this spirit of being demonized, if you will, and, and he says, and he connects the two together, and he says that, that Jesus went about and all of them that were oppressed, because if you have sickness, you are oppressed. Huh? 
If you have sickness, you are not at your very flat level best. Can we agree with that? There, whenever sickness is upon you, you are not enjoying life as it should be. There are hindrances, there are limitations, and it is an oppression upon your life. But the good news is, anything Jesus has ever done, he's still doing today. And the good news is, is if Jesus healed them all then, he is healing them all now. Amen. And we, we say, well, sometimes we get caught up in it because we, have, we, we allow our experience to determine to us the gospel. But I cannot limit my, my belief in the Lord God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and His Word. I cannot let it be limited by my experience. In other words, I may have had sickness in my body. I may have had prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed. But that is not the will of God. Amen. He says, for that he, he says to the sick man laying there on the bed and he takes up his bed and walk. They get upset with him. And what did Jesus tell him? He said, your sins be forgiven you. Take up your bed and walk. And they got into a debate and they said, well, he's sick. And he said to them, he said, which is it easier for me to say? Amen. Be healed or your sins be forgiven you. Right? Because it's the same word, which is sozo, S-O-Z-O, sozo. It's the same word for salvation and healing. So he says, when you are, when, and so it is that he brings this healing ministry to us. And if we can believe that, that, that Jesus does not want none to perish, but all should come to repentance. How many believe that? Then we must also believe that it is God's will to heal them all. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus walked in total dominion, meaning that every sick person he ever came encounter with, he healed them. Jesus came and he healed 100% of the people that he came in contact with. Amen? And he has never changed. I said, He has never changed. So I want us to see Jesus here. The second thing that I want us to see here is I want us to see his redemption. He healed them all. So it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 53, let's look at that together. Isaiah 53 Surely he was born our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. All right? Go on to the next verse. You got the next verse for me? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are 
healed. Amen. By his stripes, we are healed. Praise God. When, when did Jesus take our sickness and our infirmities? He didn't just do it when we pray and ask him to do it. It's a finished work of Calvary. It's, all, it, it, it's in past tense. It's already been done. Amen. And, and whenever we look at Calvary and we see the salvation, but we also have to see the redemption that he also healed us. And so God took it all from you and he put it upon the body of Jesus and every sickness, every infirmity, and every disease that ever would, was and ever will be in the earth was placed upon the body of Jesus and carried to the cross so that you and I can have victory over it. Amen? And so let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He kind of... said, who himself bore our sins and his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were. Past tense. It's already been done. We were healed. Amen? And so God looked at your life Past, present, and future, if, if to this wall to my right and passing through this front and coming to this wall on the left, this wall on the right represents your birth and this wall on the left represents your death. Jesus walked through your life, past, present, and future, and he, he bore, he carried every sickness, every infirmity, every pain that the enemy would ever try to bring upon your life. Amen. And Jesus took it and by his stripes you were healed. And that is the gospel. Amen. That is the gospel. So when the first hint of sickness shows up, when the first symptoms show up, when the first nature or natural information shows up in your body, in your life, that's the moment, the very moment that we need to go to war against this thing. Amen? Why? Because it's not normal. Amen? It's not something that's it's normal. It's not something that is natural. It is not something that God has planned nor desired for our life. God has never made one person crippled. God has never made one little child sick. God has never made one person have an infirmity or a disease and he's not going to start now. So if we see the hint that we see the symptoms. We need to fight it with our revelation that of who Jesus is and what he desires to be is he wants his healing ministry to be released into our life and we need to fight sickness with the same measure that we fight sin. Amen. 
With the same measure we fight sin, we just say, no, there's no place for you here. You're not going to stay here. You are, you are, you are trespassing here. You're, you, there's no place for you here. I'm a child of God. Amen. So when the first hint of it shows up, you've got to go to pass the information and get a hold of the revelation that Jesus is our healer. Amen. And you have no place in my life. And then we have to commit to living, <clears throat> excuse me, living the life Jesus provided. We commit to that. We commit to, to now thank God for healing, right? If you're sick, thank God for healing. But that's not his desire is to just heal you. But he said, I desire that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers right so he wants us to live in divine health that's another level amen that's another level so we just live in that divine health that he has provided for us amen now we see Jesus here we see redemption here and the third thing that I want to show you and for you to see here tonight is this and and I, I know that the other two are important, but this is vitally important, I believe, that you and I must see sickness is spiritual. Sickness is spiritual. What you see, what you feel is natural. What you feel whenever sickness comes is just the tip of the iceberg. You know how they show those movies or they show those stories and, 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 and you see the iceberg and you just see the tip of the iceberg standing out of the water and, and it looks, maybe it's just a little piece, it's just, it's maybe real sharp, it sticks up a little high, but, but the reality of it is that's just a, a small, minute part of the iceberg which is major that is under the water, Right? And so what we see, what we feel is, is the little iceberg of it, of the spiritual uh, thing that is going on. But underneath the surface of the water, there is a massive unseen part that sickness, and that is that which is spiritual. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. I want to look there. We all right tonight? Therefore, just as through one man's sin entered into the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Amen. Now just keep that there for me. Sin came through Adam. Death came through sin and death spread. All right? Are you walking with me? Sin came through Adam. Then sin began to work its work. And when it did, it brought forth death. And death spread. How did it spread? Well, we'll look at that in a minute. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17. 
writing these down? Genesis 2, 17. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. You shall surely die. In the Hebrew, it does not, and you can, you can study it out for yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. But in the Hebrew, the Hebrew doesn't use the word surely. That was used for us to understand uh, the, how profound that, and, and how sure that God was about this word. But in the Hebrew... What it says is this, if you go back to its literal uh, writings, you will find that it says, and you shall die, die. It uses the word die twice. The first die is meaning the process of dying. And when you, in the, and you shall die, process of dying till you are dead. All right. You eat of this tree and you shall surely die. The process will start and you will begin to die. What is the process of death? It comes through sickness. The process of death is through sickness. That brings us, it is the first die, if you will, because we know Adam and Eve didn't fall over dead, right? In the garden. But the process of death began. Because they had separated themselves from God and a spiritual death happened and they separated them from God and God's life went out of them. And as a result of God's life going out of them, once the spiritual life was corrupted by sin, then their not natural bodies began to die. Amen? They began to die. And so, what is sickness? It's the beginning of death. The moment Adam sinned and opened the door to death, they began to die. And that's where sickness came from. Sickness was not a part of the beginning of creation. Sickness showed up when Adam opened the door to sin and when sin, that door was opened up, death swept in and they began to die. Man was never meant to die. We were created to live forever. Amen? We were created to live forever. Without a rapture, without a, a resurrection, without, without anything going on, we were meant to live forever until sin, which is spiritual, opened the door to death, which is sickness, and it's a part of, and so sickness is also spiritual. Are you walking with me? 
And so we understand sickness is spiritual and then we understand that we have absolute authority over sickness. I told you, I think it was maybe Sunday or Wednesday, I don't, I'm not sure, but, but you, can't, you can't kill what you're petting. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't get rid of what you're still loving on. If it is a habit, if it is a thought, if it is a uh, whatever it is in your life, if it is a, a, what the, a quote unquote a pet sin, whatever it is, as long as you're loving it, long as you're holding on to it, you'll never kill it. Amen. We have to understand. Now you say to me, well, pastor, do you understand it all? No, I don't understand it all, but I, I've, I've read those scriptures enough and I've sought the Lord enough that I know that this is his will, that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. And therefore, that this spirit, that, that sickness has a spirit behind it and that spirit has to submit to our absolute authority. It's submitted to Jesus and it has to submit to you and I. Amen. And the moment you deal with the spiritual part of it, the physical side has to change. If you look at it as, well, this is just a part of life. Well, this is just the family tree. This is just a, 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 a this is what happened to grandma, it's daddy, and, and now it's me. And, and, and it's just part of life. If you accept that, you'll never get rid of that. If you agree with it, then you'll never see it come to pass. You'll never see it leave you. But you've got to understand this is a, it may have come to granddaddy and it may have come to grandma and it may have come to my parents, but it, it is also understanding that it is a spiritual thing. And so therefore we have authority over this spirit because it is a spirit from hell and not a spirit from God. And God has given us dominion and authority over everything. Every sickness, infirmity, and disease. Amen. And so if you're looking at the tip of the iceberg, which is natural, and not dealing with the unseen, what you're looking at is going to affect you. What you're looking at is going to affect you. We look at things and we say, oh my. Right? We pray for Jim Bob because he's got the uh, coronavirus. It's amazing to me how that media wants to try to scare you to death with this junk. The swine flu and all this other stuff. I I'm not saying that that isn't, but I'm telling you God's bigger than that. Amen. That's all I want you to see. And we pray for Jim Bob. He's got the swine flu or whatever kind of, when pigs fly, whatever. And, and we pray for him and we, we just say, well, let's just pray for him and it gets better quick, right? And we know, we think, well, that's just a little flu. 
But then somebody comes to us and tells us that, that, that you know, Sally's gone to the hospital and she has stage four cancer. And all of a sudden, oh, this is big. But can I submit to you tonight, it may be big in our psyche, in our natural but cancer is no more bigger than swine flu to God. He has power to heal them all. Glory to God. <laughs> I just feel something right there. He has power to heal them all. Now, second, but it, what are you focusing on? That's what I, want to, what I want to get at. What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on the natural at the tip of the iceberg? Are you focusing, are you dealing with what's under the surface? Because it isn't, the issue is not what you see, it's what you cannot see. Is that what Second Corinthians tells us? Chapter 4, 18, let's look at that together. While we do not look at the thing which are seen... Right? The iceberg, the tip of the iceberg. But the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In other words, if I could break this up in this, in this teaching tonight, the thing that is seen is the tip of the iceberg, and, it, it, and it's just temporary. But what is going on underneath the surface, under the water, what you cannot see, that's what's eternal. And we, can't, and we are spending our time dealing with the tip of the iceberg, trying to make it look better, putting pig, lipstick on the pig, whenever we need as spiritual beings to begin to deal with what is going on underneath the ground, underneath the surface, Right? And to deal with that, Jesus walks into Peter's and, and house and his mother-in-law is laying there with a fever and he touches her, right? Matthew, Mark, and John say he touched her, but Luke adds to it that he rebuked the fever. Just the same way that he would rebuke evil spirits, he rebuked this fever, and when he rebuked it, amen, it left her. When Jesus touched her, rebuked it, and it left her. Amen. This evil spirit had to leave her. Something left her body. It doesn't mean that she wasn't in covenant. It doesn't mean that she wasn't a child of God. But something had come to oppress her. This spirit had come to make her sick. And the very moment that Jesus touched her, this spirit that came to oppress her had to go. This spirit that came to begin death had to go. Hallelujah. It had to leave her body. If you would look in a microscope you would have seen germs and you would have seen viruses. But Jesus wasn't dealing with the germs and he wasn't dealing with the virus. He was dealing with the next level. He was dealing with the spiritual level. And at the spiritual level, whatever was causing the fever had to go. 
Amen. He wasn't trying to get her to feel better or for the fever to subside. He was speaking to what was causing the fever. And when he spoke to what was causing the fever, it went from her. And the Bible said that five days later, she get, felt like getting up and cooking biscuits. No. She got up and cooked them dinner. She, she got up and ministered unto them. Glory to God. What can I do for you? How would you what would you like for dinner? I can just see that because that's what grandma would do. Amen. Just what do you need? And immediately, that quick, that spirit left her, that infirmity went, and she now was feeling so well that she would get back to what she enjoyed doing. Amen. Now, your authority and my authority as a child of God is absolute. I know we don't have any problem talking about Jesus doing it, but what about you? What about me? Amen? But we've been taught this stuff. We've been, we believe that it's natural to get sick. We believe that it's natural. It's just a way of life of going through this. That, the, you know, especially, has anyone ever noticed that, that the older you are, it seems like the, the less faith people believe for, for you to get whole? Amen. I don't know. Maybe it's just me getting older. <laughs> but I'm, I've seemed to notice like, well, if, if a little young person is sick, it, then, then we believe, oh, we got to get them healed because it's, but if somebody else is, well, they're old and you know, they've had a good life. They're 98 years old now. Amen. They're 98 years old. Let's pray God will pull them through the door. Huh? But this is what I believe. This is what I believe reading the word of God is this. That when God is finished with you and with I as children of God, he doesn't have to have no sickness, infirmity, or disease to take us out. We can be like any. He took us and we were not. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. So that when our day comes, you know, some people say, well, it was just their time. You know, is in a, what was that, Kobe Bryant? Is that his name? Died in that helicopter the other day. They said, well, it was just his time. Well, what about those other eight people? If it was his time, God didn't, you know, they didn't have to all die in a helicopter. God could have just... Took him out. But we, we've got, I, I, want, I want to impose upon you. I know this may be heavy for you. I know that it may be more than you can handle tonight. But I want to give you something to chew on. I want to give you something to believe. Amen. That God is greater than us just going through this natural metamorphosis called life. And if you believe that it's natural to get sick and die, guess what? 
whatever you're focused on, according to Corinthians, whatever you see is, not, is temporary. What you cannot see is eternal. And if we keep focusing on the tip of the iceberg, if we keep focusing on the sickness, the infirmity, the disease, then that's what we're going to have. Right? But we have absolute authority over infirmity, sickness, and disease. We don't have to go fast for three days. We don't have to go pray for 10 days. Right now, we have authority. Why? Because Jesus lives in us. If Jesus, by his finger, could touch Peter's mother-in-law and sickness leave her body, then what can you and I do being full of Jesus? Either he lives in you or he doesn't. Amen? And so this is our mandate that, that everywhere we go that we heal the sick and we deliver those that are oppressed. Amen? The life of God now lives in us. Now this is the other thing that messes with me. I, I have um, I've had sickness before. I'm not looking at people and saying if you are sick or you have sickness that, that you know you're terrible or nothing like that but this is what gets me I want, I, want, I want to challenge you with this how can it be natural for you to be sick and Christ living in you how can it be a natural thing for the hope of glory Christ living inside of us and us a believer, hope and glory, living inside of us, how can that be natural for sickness to come in us? Just a thought. He healed all who were demonized. So that he could fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. By his work of redemption, he canceled out every legal right for sickness, infirmity, or disease to ever operate in your body. I'm going to say that again. By the work of redemption, Jesus canceled every legal right for sickness, infirmity, or disease to operate in your body or my body. So you resist sickness the same way you resist sin. You say, no, you're not staying here. You got to go somewhere else. This, this temple is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Jesus lives on the inside of me. Your body is the body of Christ. Your body belongs to the, it is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, therefore, there is no place for sickness. There's no place for, there's no place for this kind of work in my life. Amen? So, therefore, if it comes, it's trespassing. And we have the authority to can't move it out, right? To remove it. We have expected that it's part of our life to just get sick at some time. But why should we ever be sick if Jesus is living in us? It doesn't mean that 
what they say isn't true. As far as they can see through the natural eye, through the sense of the knowledge that comes through our senses, what they can see, it, it, is, it, is, it is true to them. But then I have to look at it through revelation knowledge. And revelation knowledge tells me that if it has come, then it cannot stay. Every major sickness has a spirit behind it. Cancer is a spirit. It has life. Right? Cancer is a spirit. It has life. It's somebody I was studying one time and I, I came because, you know, I'm not real smart, but they, they made it in a way I could understand it. They said sickness, and I don't even think it was a Christian person writing it, but they said cancer is a rebellious cell that connects itself with other rebellious cells until it, it develops a bigger cell and it begins to grow. I said rebellion, that's, that's of the devil, right? And so rebellious cells begin to come together and begin to grow. It doesn't have a human life, but it has a life. It begins to grow. And doctors know that. And so doctors take their senses or their knowledge and they know that, that it has to be cut out, it has to be burned out, it has to, something has to be done to it. But we have been given a spirit of authority over that spirit that we can bind it up and cast it out and that cell has to die in the name of Jesus. Whenever we was in Honduras, <clears throat> uh, we we had a wonderful time while we were there. Uh, you have, but I'll just say that when you're in Rome, you do as the Romans, right? And I took my a good friend, Pastor Jonathan Morgan, with me, and we we like to run together and doing missions and that kind of thing, and and uh, we kind of got a a thing that we do and and. Uh, I'll preach and, and believe God for deliverance and salvation and then he'll come behind and he'll, he'll preach a, a, a faith encouraging message and, and pray for people to be healed. And uh, they don't kind, kind of get that concept so we just had to kind of bring it down. But on Saturday night in the crusade, I'm telling you, God's presence came in that place and it was like a wet heavy blanket that just... Uh, covered the place and and I don't want to exaggerate but it, it felt like to me that over three quarters of that, that the people that were there came forward for salvation and um, and I was because of the time frame that they wanted to give us for Pastor Jonathan I was I prayed with those people but as quickly as I could I was trying to get him to to the stage so that he could preach on healing and he told me he said I've got I've got divine direction for tonight. He said, while I was um, praying today, he said the Lord spoke to me and he said it was like clarity came. And he said that tonight, he said there were going to be people there that have cancer. 
And he said, in particular, there's going to be one person. And he said that, that it's, a, it's a death sentence. And, um, and, and so before I could get him up on the stage, one of the pastors, it wasn't the lead pastor, but the second, I guess, assistant pastor was motioning for him, wanting um, Brother Jonathan to come down. And so uh, there was this lady there, and it was to look on her face. You knew that she was in excruciating pain. And whenever they, the interpreter came and started talking to them, they had brought her from the hospital, right out of the hospital. They brought her to the crusade, and they told her that she was terminal, that she had cancer. And she said, that, and through the interpreter, said, it feels as though that my head is going to explode at any moment. Right? And so... Uh, Pastor Jonathan just went and laid his hand on her head. And the moment that he laid her hands on her, the power of God came upon her. And, and, and just a great manifestation of healing came on her body. And so a few minutes later after ministering to several others, because I'm telling you, he heard from God because I, there was, I don't know how many, but he said, if you've, you've got cancer, you've got tumors, raise your hand. And there was a a bunch of them. I'm telling you, I was surprised how many. And they, and and so he um, brought them forward. And then this lady comes and wants to testify, and she tells them what had happened. Just brought her from the hospital. Her head is exploding with pain, and she didn't even know who touched her. Which I, I'm thankful for that because it's really not important. But she said, when somebody laid their hand on my head, said it was like fire that went down through my body and said it drove out all of that pain and all of that that was hurting in my head and in my body and said whenever I got up off of the floor said everything was gone and said I feel great. Amen. Amen. I feel great. That's the healing power of Jesus. That's the healing ministry of Jesus. Amen. Now, we, as I said, we're not against medical and we're not against all that thank God for all of that but the reality of it is is Jesus doesn't need it don't need medicine and Jesus Jesus can do it in a moment amen in a moment and so tonight I just want to pray for people who may be sick you may be dealing with some in sickness or infirmity in your body and you just believe tonight the word of the Lord and you just say I'm going to believe God that God is going to heal my body tonight and we're going to take authority over this spirit that has come to torment my body and I'm believing God to be made whole tonight in Jesus' name amen in Jesus' name you say well pastor why didn't you Wait till Sunday to preach. We have more people here. It's not my fault. But I'm believing God tonight to release the healing ministry of Jesus to somebody that is sick in this place tonight. Amen. Praise God. Will you stand with me, please? I want us to 